Welcome to Eagle's Nest Forum with Dr. Beecher Moorfield, an internationally known expert on biblically-based leadership and minister-to-ministers who will share thoughts from the Word of God on successful living. Now, let's join Dr. Moorfield for today's message. Yeah, we should, we should never feel obligated to give to anybody. This, this is... Uh... Uh, th- this is something that I've, I've talked with Sharon about it, and I've had a discussion over meals with folks a couple times with this. Uh, somebody told me once, well, you know, it's, it's our turn. And this hadn't been that too long ago when somebody said this to me. It's our turn to give. It's our turn to buy. And I said, no, it's not your turn. We don't take turns in the kingdom of God. Huh? Well, you bought it the last time, or I, I didn't get a chance to. No, 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 no. You see, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. If you're giving because you're obligated to give me, you owe me something. And the Bible says, owe nobody anything but to love them. And here's another thing. If I buy something and give it to you, your lunch, whatever, it's a gift. It is not a loan that demands a payback. Okay? Don't rob me of my payback by thinking you got to pay me back. I've given because I wanted to give. I don't want back one payment. I want a good measure pressed down, shaking together, running over. See, that's what, that's what changed my attitude about giving. It's, it's finding out what God said about it. And that should, that should be doubly so for each of us here in this Christmas season. Did you know most people do most of their giving around Christmas? Oh, they may give to a wedding for a you know, spouse for a wedding anniversary. They may give to friends occasionally. They may give to their to their children. And uh, is this this thing is not working again? It's not. All right. Well, let's do this. And 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 all right. Most people give at Christmas. That's the biggest giving time of the year. They got their wife. They got the kids. They got the grandkids. Okay. Do you realize what you could do for your next year's livelihood if you would give according to Scripture at Christmas time? Why do you give gifts at Christmas time? Uh, no, it's more than that. I mean, I know there's tradition, but there's more to it than that. You, to whom do you give at Christmas time? Generally, to loved ones, people that you love. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But most people who do give gifts for Christmas give them to people they love, family. And they think because they're giving to family that they shouldn't expect anything from it. No, 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 no. The Bible says give. It didn't attach it to anything. It didn't say give to the church. It didn't say give to a ministry. It just said give. That means if you give a man a meal, that's not attached to church or necessarily ministry. The Bible says about fasting that part of the fast is if you see a man that's hungry, you feed him. Right? That's three sixty-five. If you see a man that's hungry, you feed him because in as much and because he might be a Christian who's down and out. And if you give to the Christian that's down and out, in as much as you gave to that one, you gave to me, Jesus said. How are we doing? So when you give anything, 1 
first of all, make sure it's done in an attitude of love. Secondly, make sure it's the best you can give. I'm not talking about cost. I'm talking about that you have, you, have a, you have a limit as to what you can spend for a Christmas gift. But when you give, give the best you can give. Okay? And when you do that, expect a return. What return? Luke 6.38, the simple rule, give. One word. And I think there's 37 words, I believe the count is correct, that follow that, that tell you what will come of your one word, give. Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you withal. That's a pretty good return on one word. Give. I mean, that's like Jesus saying to Peter, come, and he got out and walked on the water. That's a pretty good return for one word. Then he got to walk back with him. That's a pretty good return for one word. And God is able to do that one word return will just bless you beyond measure. And most people could impact their well-being for the next 12 months off of Christmas alone in a way that would bountifully increase them if they did their Christmas giving in faith and not out of tradition. See, all traditions aren't bad. Some traditions are good. But if you do that, because it is a tradition rather than doing it in faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is... Ouch, oops, oh boy, did I step on a toe then? Am I hearing screams in the audience? Uh, not, not just this one, but yeah. You know, Christmas is just around the corner. Today is what, the 12th? 13 more days, it'll be Christmas. And a week after that, it'll be a new year. So when you give for Christmas, you have seven days left to get your investments in, right? <laughs> okay. But you, you, you got to know that whatever I give to anybody over this Christmas season, it's going to be given in faith in the name of Jesus. And I'm believing God for a return on it. Not from the person who receives it but from the Word of the living God. Folks, get a hold of that. Get a hold of that tonight. Change your Christmas giving. Change it. Hallelujah. I like what Donald said. He gives to the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, you know wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be great? Yeah, wouldn't it be? Oh, man. You don't quit preaching. I'm about to put you up here. <laughs> you know, there, there's a passage that David uh, penned about himself. And David said this, I will not give rest to my body or sleep to my eyes until I have built for him a house. Until I've built for him a place. And there was a man named John Hyde. Does that name ring a bell for anyone? John Hyde was called the drunkard's friend. He began his ministry in England. He did a great part of his work in India. And he was called the drunkard's friend. John Hyde made a commitment to the Lord while he lived in Great Britain. He said, Lord, I will not lay down and go to sleep at night until I have led at least one man to Jesus today. Wow. Think about it. 
And he became so adept at that that he increased it to two. And by th when he died, he was, he was winning three people to Jesus outside the pulpit every day of his life. He made the commitment, I will not lay my head down, I will not close my eyes and sleep until I have found a place or made a place for him to live. And he took that as meaning winning a soul. Because that's a new house of God. What a, what, wow. There were times when he would come back in after an exhausting day and he would lay down to go to sleep at night and realize when he started to lay down that he had not yet led somebody to Christ or had not yet yet fulfilled his personal quota. He would arise at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 in the morning, whenever he went to bed, 11 at night, didn't make any difference, put his clothes back on, go back into the streets. He would go to the streets where the drunkards were leaving the bars. And he would often find the drunkard in the, in the gully. Filthy, stinking, puking his insides out, begging for somebody to help him. And he would sit with them and stay with them until he was able to lead them to Jesus. John Hyde. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There, there are other men who did similar praying in their life. We don't have time to talk about them tonight. But what, what, would, that, what would it be like if, what would it be like for us if each of us made the commitment this year? We've got time that we will not come to full celebration of Christmas until we have provided the Lord at least one more house. Think about it. I'm not asking anybody to make that commitment. I'm just saying, think about it for yourself. Brother Clinton, thanks for that question. But you t tell some people, someone when they ask this such a question, tell them, God does not only, has not only promised reciprocity or a return on our giving, but he has also promised to supply us with seed to sow. Because everybody's got to start somewhere. And many people who get saved don't have two nickels to rub together. And then they see these things coming on. And, and I'll tell you, the appeals that some of these preachers can make, oh man, they are deeply emotional. They can just rip your insides out. Particularly when they start talking about kids in foreign countries starving. Okay. I've been to some of those foreign countries. I've seen some of that. I've seen the lifestyle that they live. Nothing is, nothing is humorous about that. Nothing is even to smile about concerning those issues. But let me tell you something. There's an old saying that's been around a long time. Before you can run, you have to walk. Before you walk, you have to crawl. Before you crawl, you have to learn to sit up. It's just a process of growth. And there are many people who have been born again and because of the lack of teaching and lack of training in their life, they've never grown. they got mustaches on their face that you have to part to put the bottle in their mouth. Because they, they can't stand the meat of the Word. They can only handle the milk and, and that even in limited supply. And that's, that's maybe the way this particular brother is that Brother Clinton encountered. I'm not saying that to put him down. I'm just recognizing the reality of his place in life. 
But God will provide seed to the sower so that the sower can sow some seed. And God doesn't pay it. God doesn't provide seed to the sower as a payback. It, it's a gift. Oh, you, you, you're about, I'm, I'm, okay, are you ready for this? Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom, for the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you with uh, to, to you with all. Let me ask you a question. What did God have to give? His son. Did God give his son? Okay, so this, this principle works for God. This is a God principle, okay? God gave Jesus. What has God gotten back? Probably billions by this time. Billions of men and women have done what? Let, let's, let's talk about it in the position of giving. Have done what? Given their life. You see, G God gave Jesus, and what has God gotten back? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, have men given into his bosom. If God used it, why don't we? Why don't we imitate him? Thank you. Give and it shall be. It's a God principle. It's not just God, something God gave us. To correspond with Dr. Moorfield, you may contact him on his website at eaglesnestforum.com or join him on Facebook at facebook.com slash Eagles Nest Forum. And be sure to subscribe to the Eagles Nest Forum YouTube page at youtube.com slash at sign Eagles Nest Forum. Join us again next time for another inspiring message by Dr. Beecher Morfield.